Howdy, howdy, howdy. Friends, family, amigos. This is bizarre. First and foremost, shout out to La Marzocco for this whole situation. Give it up for them now. That's like seven people care about La Marzocco and free tacos. So maybe a little louder because it's free tacos. <laughs> Thank you. Sick. Uh, well, Chris and I have a podcast. We have a brand new business with our friend Charles. Uh, for those who don't know, a little background, we're very weird. We have a lot of inside jokes and we talk a lot. So that's going to be part of tonight. Uh, what are we going to do? We're going to do a couple different things. So we're going to talk about topics relating to coffee. We hope, although if we don't talk about coffee at all, you can't get mad at us because sometimes that's just where the train goes. <laughs> um, we have a computer. It's highly technologically advanced. It's some real shit that's about to go down. Um, we have a few questions that people have given us ahead of time. And there's a microphone right there, over there. There. Stage right, but on the left. Yes, beautiful. There's also a microphone dead ahead, right in that hot pocket, right by Mary Lee. Next to the DJ. The DJ saved my life. If at any time you want to ask a question, just roll on over to one of those microphones and just give us a cue, and we will give you an A, and that's how it'll go. Um, if you came here to hear the podcast and listen to us, thank you so much. If you just came here for a party and a good time, that's freaking also awesome. So if nobody knows about us, we have a coffee podcast like Jared said. Um, we have a combination of like Q&A kind of things and a lot of industry guests that we invite on to talk about coffee, business, life, etc. And the podcast for us is a platform for specialty coffee altogether for people to share ideas, share knowledge. Um, it's not about us and what we think. Well, some of it is for sure. It's but obviously that. It's obviously that. But we're not all... But we want to hear what other people think too because we right. think that's cool. It's what makes the world go round is opinions. It's what makes the world go round. I'm like screwing this thing on. You're very excited about your microphone. <laughs> I think we should just get started with one of those internet questions. We popped on uh, Instagram Live. Everything we are at is basically Cat Cloud Coffee on the internet. Um, our website is catandcloud.com, but we didn't want to add that to our tags because I don't know why. We just didn't. But Chris, pop that on. Let's just start with a question and maybe it'll make everybody feel comfortable enough to also ask their own. By the way, no dumb questions, I think. The first question that we got from the World Wide Web of Instagram Live was, do you make your baristas sign a non-compete agreement? No. Why? The fuck, dude? No. <laughs> <laughs> we are about helping people learn more and hopefully be able to like access that in the future and help somebody else. It's not about us. It's not about our business being like, it's just about specialty coffee. And there's a bigger picture than our individual businesses and, and this uh, competition that's out there. Industry, this industry is small, really, really small. And there's so much to do and grow. So yeah, no, none of my employees are ever going to sign a non-compete. 
Well, it's like, what are you off? When I think non-compete, I'm thinking we're not necessarily motivated solely by money. But when I think non-compete, it's like I'm thinking about big money shit. Right. It's like if you want me to fucking sign my life away, what's in it for me? What have you done for me lately, Eddie? You know what I mean? Hey, uh, you make uh, 10 bucks an hour, maybe 8 bucks an hour, and you clean the toilet every day, and we want you to sign a non-compete so you can GFY. It's like, no, dude. <laughs> like, it doesn't it, work like that. It doesn't work like that. Also, we've never done this live, so this is... Very it, weird. It's different. It's usually just, I'm just gazing into his eyes. They're blue, if you can't tell from back there, and... Uh, I don't know whether to look at you or him. It's really different. It's really different. Also, I feel way more comfortable talking trash with just ourselves. It's great. <laughs> I love talking trash, though. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but to extrapolate on the idea of a non-compete agreement, we're definitely firm believers in the idea that a rising tide lifts all boats, and the more knowledge and information that people share with each other, the bigger the whole industry is going to be, so the whole market share increases, so people are fighting over less of this like perceived teeny little market share. And if you can focus on sharing knowledge, growing coffee, like everybody wins. On a very real level. Take it. You've also been the recipient of being limited majorly in your life because of an NDA. And we will hopefully never do something like that to somebody else because of what you learned and went through. So yeah. that's just real life Chris Baca stuff that I forced him into maybe talking about right now a little bit. Yeah, I saw, what do you call it? It's not an NDA, a non-compete. Oh, non-compete. I did sign, I, oh, I did, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. I started a roasting company that was horrible and I, to get out of it, I like had to sign this non-compete agreement. I couldn't work in coffee in the town that I lived in for two years. We actually can't sell coffee there now. We get sued. But For some bring reason. bring it, dude. I'll, let's sell coffee anywhere. I don't care. <laughs> let's get a, I think we have a question. Yeah. You have to go to a microphone. This is Alex. I just met him. Right? Yes, that's correct. Sick. Yeah. I'm terrible with and names. And maybe if Chuck wanted to join in, I, that would be fine, Ooh. too, on this one. But I was going to see if you could explain for Chuck's us. Chuck's got a mic right there. Let's say, let, have oh, awesome. a half hey, a Charles. second. Awesome. I'm Chris. This is Jared. That's Charles Jack, who is the third partner in Cat and Cloud Coffee. He deserves all the respect in the world. All right, Alex. I was going to see if you guys could explain for us. So it's a bit of a tired premise, but on a, de on a deserted island, you have one beverage, one Cat and Cloud beverage that you can have. What is it going to be? Charles, go first. Yeah, I'm going to... Ooh, yeah. See, I don't do this like you guys Chuck do. got a hot mic, How dude. It's going work? down. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know how. Is it right? This you sound, sound great. awesome. You sound amazing. Going with it. Let me build you up, dude. I'm taking the easy answer. Like my favorite drink is a one-in-one. -one. I like to get a little bit of espresso and still have a little bit of the milk drink and see how everything interacts together. So, I want a little bit of everything. So the one-in-one -one is for me. Charles always orders a one-in-one, -one, no matter where he goes. And some people don't know what it is, and then he has to well, and help just, them. And then people won't make it. But it's like anyone. Even if it's not on your menu, anyone can make a shot of espresso and a macchiato, right? Charles will be the Maybe. guy that rolls into the, the shop with the bottomless portafilter and order a one-on-one. And they're like, like I don't know how to do it. <laughs> they're like, ooh. I would have espresso. Espresso. I like espresso. Definitely espresso. We're not trying to be cool. We just both honestly love espresso. So We're definitely we trying to be cool. Hella okay. cool. Very cool. Super cool. Good question. Is the ottoman legit right now? What's an ottoman? I'm just this? It's what we're sitting on. 
I feel great. Does it feel cool? It's a, it's a round thing I'm sitting on. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> okay, I'm pretty comfortable, awesome. too. I don't know, like, the, I keep fondling with myself. What? Okay, next question. <laughs> this is a great one. I'm taking this out. Yeah. We're going out. You can walk around, Chris. I, I just want to be a little bit more mobile. It's our show. Someone asked us, what were some challenges for leaving your staff and coming to the Lamarzoka residency to train? None, but that's because, <laughs> I'm serious. Our whole premise of opening a business was not for Chris and I to perform. The whole, present, the whole premise of opening a business was to teach others to perform. And that was the sole purpose of the last three months since we have opened. So I have 100% faith that my team back home is killing it. Uh, Let me so rephrase, so. let's rephrase the question then. Okay. What did you do to ensure that we could come to Seattle and spend four days at La Marzocco? There's three business owners. We're all here. We've been open for about three months. How are we able to break away? How does that work? One of our managers is also gone and will be up here. Um, I mean, it started with a pretty intense orientation process and a really clear expectation of who we are. We have a bunch of episodes that talk about values and ideas and philosophies in our company. And we put people through a month of really focused training. And prior to that, we put them through a two-day orientation process. And they're required to critically think about other businesses. And they're required to take our philosophies and go look at other businesses that are not coffee shops that, and they're not places that people know them and they have to go analyze these places based on what we expect out of them and see how these other businesses are performing just to start. That's, that's like day one and two. And then after that, we, you know, we have three positions in our company as of now. It's a concierge, there's a support person, and there's a barista and those are the only three positions on the floor for us. And then we have certification processes beyond that. So, there's a lot of clarity in where you start and where you can go. And even in those basic three positions, there's a lot of clarity within each one of those positions. So the basic premise, if you come into our shop, the easiest way to look at it is if somebody leaves happier than they came in, you did your job. Whatever that thing is, if it's water, if it's a high five, if it's a cup of coffee, if it's an espresso drink, if they leave happier than they came in, you did your job. And so trying to take all this complexity of what's going on over there and they're doing an amazing job, and break that down into, okay, did I make them happier? Do they seem happy? Uh, then we know they did their job. So that's a short, long answer? That's a short, long answer. I'm Ron Burgundy? No, I think you nailed it. You are Ron Burgundy. Look at the line for espresso. It's fucking off the chain, dude. They're only serving espresso and alcohol there, just so you know. So that's going to be legit. We had tacos outside. I want Maybe. another question from someone that's here. The internet questions were cool, but I want to answer a question from someone that's around. Come on up. Let's go. Up here. Up here. This is where the action is. This is where shit goes down. So, oh. I Get up close and personal. This is going to go on the internet later. So, yeah. Okay. So, I had a question pop in my head. Um, I have a more technical one, but this one's more fun. Um, is... Okay, creamy beige. I, I watched... We have all things that okay. are good. Yeah, okay, yes, that answered my question. I, I watched... So, if anyone's seen the, like... Oh, what, what that? Could Old you learn Greg. to love me? Oh, good. Yeah, so I watched that video the other night, and I'm like, creamy beige. Is that what it is? It right. is. Okay. 100%. Okay. <laughs> so... So why? 
No. Um, sorry, what is a creamy beige? Is that like a Vitamix drink? What is uh, it? So yeah, we have, we have two, three-ish drinks we use in a Vitamix. We have like a, a coffee milkshake, and it is called the creamy beige. Okay. Because we didn't want to take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Cool. So I do have a more serious question. Um, I, I work at a coffee shop in Portland that are re recently, like, they they moved up from L.A. and bought a, like, failing business of a roaster. And, um, yeah, the quality transition is pretty rough. Right. Uh, I've just... I've been really fortunate to work for like counterculture accounts in New York and then like in Phoenix working for a cartel. And I, the consistency of the espresso, like the shot windows will swing sometimes by like 10 seconds. Right. Um, so like I, sometimes you just end up having to adjust the grind on the fly too much. Um, I hear, I hear y'all mention about um, kind of like the way you roast. Um, how do you ensure that like the espresso pulls consistently right. through your roasting, and like, as I mean, y'all were baristas and roasted. I feel like there's a disconnect at my shop. How how do you think would be a good way to like help ensure that those quality standards like right you know in that dialogue to start? You're definitely dealing with a challenge that's real, and I think we've all probably experienced it. Um, Chris and I do have right now and hopefully we'll keep it forever, the advantage of being able to kind of curate our experience from top to bottom or wherever you go, east to west, whatever you want to call it. So the adjustment of the grind is something you're going to have to do. That's just a quality thing. So if you as a barista care about your product, you got to pay attention. Um, the ability to roast, to work for your, you know, your product, the solubility and all that stuff that you could get really, really scientific with, I mean, it just comes from us being able to track and repeat and pay attention and have really good standards. Somebody's calling me, I'm gonna just silence my phone or maybe even take a call. <laughs> Very weird, nope. It's one of our employees, could be anything. Should I take it? <laughs> on the air, hey Natalie, you're on the air. So, I mean, you do have a challenge. I think, do you have like a company-wide recipe for said espresso you're talking about, a standard? Yeah, I mean, so usually 19 in, um, I weigh it every time, um, and then like 26 seconds um, at 30, like 33 to 36 out. So you have a recipe. Yeah. And that will theoretically work for the coffee you're using. I'm not yeah. gonna be able to speak to your recipe at all. I don't know the yeah. coffee, and even uh -huh. if you told me what it was, it's not really fair for me to do so because uh -huh. I have a preferred flavor that I like, and mm -hmm. so does Chris, and that's why we have a business, so that we can achieve that. Yeah. I think the, uh, parameters? the thing that you have to do is your best. You're going to have potentially, like, uh, you might not like what you're serving, but if you're working there, you have to do your best to serve what they want. It's not about you, so that might be a struggle. Um, but my advice to you is if you're unhappy and you're having a really hard time with it and you bring those things to somebody in leadership and they're not being addressed at some point you have to be more direct and then maybe leave and find another job because yeah, at the end of the day so you're going to become toxic without wanting to be and that's going to bring down everybody around you and it's going to make you look bad more than it's going to make your business look bad and you could be on your high horse talking something very true but if the business that you're hired to be in is not interested in doing what you want to do you're the bad guy not them so, not calling you the bad guy, but I've honestly almost become the bad guy before. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks.
I'm going to text my employee back. Text employee? Maybe I'll FaceTime her. We're going to get a FaceTime going on. What was the question specifically related about recipe and dialing in? It was... Um, Roasting a certain way. Right. So, oh, wait, two questions. Wait, uh, we're going to combo bonus here. We're gonna co- you're, you're real excited and right next to the microphone. So we're going to go to you right now. Me? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in the game right now. All right. Well, you guys obviously have an awesome podcast. And I was just curious how that plays into the growth of your company as a whole and, like, how you see that going in the future. Yeah, it is crazy because when we started the podcast, we had no intention of using it necessarily as a marketing tool, but it's honestly become our biggest platform and our biggest marketing tool. And there's a lot of... I assume, yeah. Yeah. Um, So we definitely understand the the power of the podcast, which is really awesome. Um, But we continually get like weird emails from people because we feature other roasters and other, you know, baristas and stuff. And a lot of people are really confused as to why we like put other people's brands on a pedestal right next to ours, which um, we actually don't care. We think it's great. Um, I mean, it's got huge potential, but we're, I don't know. Well, we're sensitive to it. Does that make sense? I mean, it helps. Does that make any sense at all? Sort of. To your podcast, of course. Total sense. I mean, it helped us in that we had some sort of proof of concept and it helped us get our SBA loan, but we honestly didn't plan for it to be that is kind of what he's getting at. Like, it helped us get a coffee subscription going and it helped, um, it helped boost our confidence. I mean, we're just two guys who left companies to start a company because we believed in something and then we had all these people who were like, I feel what you're feeling and that's great. Because everybody has too easy of a time feeling alone out there, so I think it's really important. Um, if nothing else, like to be able to have people who listen to it and also can connect with something that we're saying, can maybe validate that like they're also connected in some way, shape, or form. Especially some people who hit us up from all over the U.S. who probably don't get to come to the events. Like this is Seattle; it's hot. There's coffee here. Somehow, like, I've been here, like, nine times in the last six years, so... Yeah, I also think one of the biggest impacts that the podcast has had has not been on our brand necessarily in the sea of other coffee companies, but how our employees on the day-to-day and our day-to-day customers in the cafe relate to our brand. So a lot of our employees feel like they work at a cafe, but they also feel like they're part of the bigger industry out there, which has been awesome because they work on that stage and participate not only in what we do, but they feel like they're part of what everyone does, which is awesome. And then for our customers that come in, it's like really cool for them to see that we do things like this. Like we're taken out of Santa Cruz. Like Santa Cruz is a super small town on coastal California. Yay! yay. They get it. And they get it. <laughs> it's cool for people to have their like every everyday, day-to-day local coffee shop and know that they participate on a bigger scale. So I think that's like the bigger power of the podcast. And we just tend to keep using it for things like that. Thanks for the question. Chill? So it's chill. Sick question. Yeah. I guess we can go back to the internet, or we can ask somebody in the audience a question. Question from Kylie? Kylie. No, you have to have a microphone, dude. No, 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 you look. know how this works. I think that's a room mic. Kylie. That's a room mic. The water's fine. Sit in the thing. 
Sit in the thing. There you go. Can I sit here? Or I'll sit back here. Whatever makes you the most uncomfortable, sit there. I'll sit here. This makes me very comfortable. Uh, so my question is, obviously we touched on the fact that you guys left your cafe just Did after we? opening, not very long. Uh, how do you feel about this transition being in our cafe? How do you feel about having your coffee here, serving it somewhere else, when you guys aren't necessarily Being around? in the number one cafe in the nation! <laughs> they just won an award for number one cafe in the world. We came here to bring them down to number two <laughs> as the runner-up. <laughs> we got runner-up. I'm fine with it. I think you guys did an amazing job. I like our coffee, and you guys are very receptive, so I have zero issues in it. I mean, if I were to give my coffee to somebody and have them not take any, any of our input on like how we brew it and how we believe it tastes best, I would, you know, then I'd probably pull it. But you guys are so awesome here. Your staff's amazing, and I didn't realize how many of you I was going to know when I got here, so that was pretty fun. I feel very confident in your abilities. I think the best part about being here and your staff is them being willing to put whoever the resident is before them in terms of being a professional. So you've got a bunch of people on staff who have been baristas for years, some of whom I've worked with in the past. And once you're in an industry for a number of years, you start to develop habits and techniques that you kind of think of as your own. And those are the things that you hold in high regard. Like, this is the way I want this to be done because this is what I believe. And I love coffee with all my heart. And this is like how it has to be, to be perfect. And that's a really hard thing to let go. And I think your staff does an awesome job of letting that go. And we were able to step in and be like, okay, we do things like this, which is maybe a little weirder than the way you do them, or that's cool, but we're going to try it like that. And not once were we met with any kind of like pushback, like, I don't know. Everyone's like, yeah, totally. We'll do it like that. That's awesome. And I think that makes me feel comfortable more than anything else. Right. The staff here is fucking bad to the bone, dude. They're seriously legit. They're really good. No joke. Zachy Poo. West Side. He's from Columbus. Oh, I didn't need to know that. Do you guys want to be brought into the ownership life? It's kind of amazing. What do you got? Our, our awesome, true story, awesome employee has lost her license in Colorado and is trying to find it, but she can't get on the plane to get home tonight for her shift tomorrow. But me neither, so it's fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the life of ownership. Good thing I had an awesome team. Q, you have a Q. Okay, I've got a, a two-part question about coffee innovation. Oh, snap. Part, okay. Part one is, what has been the biggest coffee innovation? And part two is, I guess it's a three-part question. <clears throat> two is, uh, is the biggest coffee innovation still ahead of us? And if so, what do you think it is? That's an awesome question. So for the first part of the question, which is what has been the biggest coffee innovation, do we want to put like a date range on that? Like last five years or last like... Not only or is there ever. not yeah, not only is there not a date range, but it could be cultural, technological, like process, whatever. Okay, I mean, I love that question because it's going to make me think. You think for a second. Assuming there's no date range on the question, I think the biggest coffee innovation ever is espresso. 
I mean, you've got old espresso machines, but you've got like the modern kind of pump driven or, you know, like real pressurized espresso machine in like the mid 40s, like 1947, some, somewhere in there. There's probably people who could correct me. I'm probably close. But I think that has changed coffee more than anything else. And I think it's both on the product end and culturally. And a lot of those effects aren't seen like directly down the line. You know, I mean, you got that kind of espresso originating in Italy and it's like this different style of brewing and you've got this really concentrated coffee, which that's cool. And then you fast forward 50, 60, 70 years and you've got this milk-based drink-driven culture built around lattes and cappuccinos, which is just freaking nuts. And I'm from a really small town, so I kind of remember growing up like in the early 80s, like coffee and having no association to those things like, I didn't know what a latte was when I was a kid. I didn't know what a cappuccino was. Like coffee was something that came out of a pot. So for me, I think espresso is maybe the biggest coffee innovation. I want to hear his answer before I go to part two, because I think part two is really interesting. I kind of think for me it's in the future still, but I think the ability for more, like especially coffee currently is available for everybody almost literally and that's a big deal you know like when i got into specialty coffee it took somebody special to get the best coffee and i think you know we could almost go online right now actually not almost we literally can go online right now and order specialty coffee green and get it and like some of the best coffee in the world can be ordered and to your doorstep so for me that's it's probably currently the biggest innovation like that's why there's so many new coffee roasters popping up because they have the ability to put their own take on an amazing coffee that Intelligentsia and Stumptown and a lot of these other people also have access to. So for me, that's probably it. But I, sadly, I'm not super impressed with coffee right now. He hates it. He's disgusted by it. That's, it's, no, I love coffee with like all my heart. But right now that's... I think maybe the thing that I'm most appreciative of, because we're young and we're small and we can't afford to buy like, you know, six to seven dollar a pound green coffee like some other companies can. But we are able to be in this market and actually execute because of the ability to get good coffee. So shout out to all those importers, Red Fox and all of them and Cafe Imports and the homies. Atlas. I don't know. Does that help? That definitely helps. I think there is another big innovation that's coming. I don't know what it is, but what I'm kind of waiting for is I'm waiting for something to change the specialty game in the same way that latte art did, which is something that like nobody saw coming, and then all of a sudden you can fucking draw pretty pictures on coffee. And whether you like it or not, as a barista, it changed the entire landscape of specialty coffee because it's the one most easily identifiable trait of a shop that cares, you know? Obviously, it doesn't mean their espresso's good. It doesn't mean any other aspects of the preparation are good, but you can infer that they care a little bit because they took the time to learn how to texture this milk really well, and then you have this visual evidence of quality, which is, it's, it's kind of a big fucking deal, and I don't know what the next thing is, but I think something's gonna do that again. I just have no idea, like, where it's gonna come from. I think there's maybe, like, two or three people that know about it, but it's gonna just, like, fucking slap us in the jaw, and then we're gonna be like, oh, shit! How did I not think about that? And, yeah, like, children are gonna cry and stuff. Thanks. Those are good questions. That was a great question. That was a freaking fantastic question. Do we have any more net questions? Or Get is the net. There? 
What's in your heart, Amy? Amy runs this cafe along with some amazing people. That's her right there. She crushes it. That's we not had, a joke. We had some questions about roasting. Okay. And then the question about espresso, which we could just fully turn into like a rant. <laughs> espresso correlating to roasting. Oh, oh, Charlie has a question, oh, and then I'll go Charlie. on a rant. I don't want to rant yet, because it's right. maybe too early. Charlie, age 18. I'm from Delco. De um, <laughs> I just wanted to ask you guys, because you've been in the, in the industry long enough. Uh, Define in, long enough. In long enough. In, in the Octagon, there's a fight in the Octagon, 2008. James uh, Hoffman versus James Freeman. Who wins? Hoffman. Hoffman, for sure. Freeman's bones are frail, dude. Everybody no, knows that. 2008, though. All that guy eats is vegetables and, like, one chickpea. You're talking, you're talking to a paleo meat lover. And he's done. So he's got an issue with the It's veggies. over, dude. Thank you. Yeah, Freeman needs to get his weight up, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Hoffman's wirely, wiry. Hoffman, Hoffman's on a sleep program, and he's also on a pretty legit diet. I had to stand up because it felt good. Um, so espresso in correlation with roasting and talking about specs. And then I had another question about roast degree and we're going to lump it all in. And it's like, who's ever had a problem like dialing in coffee on a regular basis? Nobody. That's freaking great. You guys rule. So, so better than all of California. <laughs> there should be no, there should be no problems dialing in coffee. So when you have coffee in the roaster, Basically, what you're doing is you're trying to set the solubility level of said coffee. And you're playing with things like input of energy, time, overall temperature, airflow, and these things. And it's whatever. But at the end of the day, you're basically want, I want this much extraction and this amount of time, and I'm going for this kind of flavor profile. So I experienced this a lot as a barista when I had no connection to the roasting process, is I would get the same espresso, and I would put it in the grinder, put it in the machine, pull shots at the same spec using the same technique and get wildly different results. And the only thing that I could think of was that I was doing something wrong. And when I went to talk to people about it, they're like, yeah, you're, you're a fucking idiot. Like, go do whatever you want. Um, if you, there's absolutely no reason for an espresso to change so much to where you're using a wildly different spec to pull the same coffee. If you come in Tuesday and then have a new batch of the same coffee on Wednesday, you've got a little bit of difference because of the day change, but your overall spec is not going to change that much if the roasting is consistent. So... What do we do? I'm just reiterating the question. What do we do to ensure the roasting is consistent? The first step is logging all roasts in whatever roast profiling software you've got. And then some people love software. Some people hate software. If you don't want to solely rely on software, that's fine. But it is a great tool that you can rely on. So every roast gets logged. Everything gets tracked. Um, a good thing that you can do if you're running a program like Cropster is you can take your roast profile or curve for said coffee. Maybe you have six or seven people roasting in the company. It's really big. You can set bumpers along the curve so that if you go outside of a certain spec or a certain line, like someone gets an email 
Like I could set a bumper so if Jason's roasting coffee Jason's and it goes wonky, yeah. and it, I'd get an email about it, which won't happen. No. He'll be riding the tiger. Um, that means accurate. But I think <laughs> ride that tiger. I think aside from that, I, aside from logging all the roasts, having infrastructure in place. So like in our roastery, we have certain batch turnaround times. You've got your charge temp, you've got your end temp, but then you're also dealing with the thermal stability of the roaster. So like every time a batch drops, we start a timer. And when that timer goes on, that's when we recharge for the next batch to make sure that like there's like ghosts in the machines, like the numbers should line up, but you're dealing with some other things as well. So just having systems for all of those things really help. And then like a really direct communication between whoever's roasting the coffee and whoever is pulling the coffee. I fucking hate it when people just work in a lab and like, oh, I work in a lab and I pull the coffee and it doesn't taste anything like you pull it on the shift. There needs to be some kind of accountability circle. You know, roasters, and I'm a coffee roaster, so like I can own up to this. They need to fucking face the music a little bit more sometimes and like realize that it's not about them and it's not even about you as a barista. It's about the people that are walking in your doors and are ultimately going to end up with that beverage. And that needs to humble everybody to really be like, I need to make sure they have the best experience possible. Even if it means my ideals are thrown out the window. Even if it means just like, I don't know, just giving up whatever they hold dear. Does that make sense? I guess. I don't know. I'm just here. You're also dealing with an organic product. So there's no perfection there. No there's matter a, yeah, what. There's a little bit of like... But to that, you know what I mean? It's like that can just be extrapolated into what can eventually become like an excuse. Right. Like, oh, every shot's different. I don't have to have any accountability. Oh, the coffee. That's a different thing. Oh, it's like a month older, you know? It's like. I'm more saying the complexities in coffee are there. So you could be making 10 shots that are perfect and they could taste a little different. But they should all be good. They should all be good and balanced or whatever your company's deal is. <laughs> Whatever your deal is, man. Whatever your deal is. Whatever your deal it's is. It's your deal. I want to know more about what everybody else thinks, you know? What does everybody else think? Oh, geez. There's like a bunch of older friends of mine here. I almost might force them to talk. Who? Bianca. Bianca L? There's oddly enough, there's this small mecca of people that Chris and I had trained at Verve a long time ago who are currently here and it's very interesting those are you I feel like I have to make you talk because I haven't seen you in a long time Bianca aka Thackeray Binks yeah come ask a question or just like talk about something exciting it's the only thing I can do is put somebody on the spot she's got a lot of support she's got a lot of support oh. <laughs> hey B. hi <laughs> I'm just really glad to see you guys here. It's really awesome to have some friendly people and some, you know, of the community back home, which I would consider as my home. But uh, for those who don't know, Bianca really is an amazing coffee professional. Oh. But she's new to this area. Yes. I'm not trying to get her a job for real, but I just I had a very good experience working with her and her dedication. Um. Well, it's good to see you guys here, and I'm just curious to see if this is like something. Seattle in general is if it's something that you guys are considering branching out to eventually or I don't know like are, are we can we expect more stuff like this to happen in Seattle or is it that is a great question okay so 
along the way. I don't know. No, that's a, that's actually a totally fine question because if that is something you're thinking, that's actually a question. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. So our current growth plan, everybody in our staff knows it. It's not like a secret. We're gonna have three stores. We don't know where they are. They're gonna be in the general Santa Cruz area, and we're gonna have a roastery that we would love to have a little coffee kiosky Hayes Valley old school blue bottle vibey situation out of and that is our current growth plan and our staff all knows that and they know that if they do certain things that after that growth plan um, they have to earn it but anybody who's with us through there and we anything we plant beyond that they can earn some equity in um, but our current focus is to dominate those three stores and roastery slash mini store and really, really execute our training platforms. Our, our whole company is built more academically than it is, um, I don't know if bureaucratically or positionally is even the word, but the way you grow in our company is slightly autonomous to you. Yeah. And so after those three to four stores, I keep saying four stores, but I mean roastery, yeah. we're kind of open <laughs> based on our ability to execute with the employees that we have. Because we're trying to grow from within. We're not trying to just like yeah. be like, we're going to make a bunch more stores come out of this thing. And we're going to hire 50 people from outside. Thanks for doing the great job, everybody who's been here. But yeah. um, you're good. And we're going to do something else. Because that has happened to me in the past. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Yep. Is there a cue? Love uh, your cues. Are those shoes new by any chance? What's that? <laughs> I said, are those shoes new? Yeah, these Miami shoes are new, and I oh, hate them. They look them. so good. Oh, never mind. They, no, they're, they they're the most comfortable shoes I've ever had. And then I was, like, trying on shoes to walk around in, and then I was like, God, I look like a, the fucking dumbest dad ever. But they're kind of tight, and they're, like, growing on me, you know? I like, I'm feeling it. Give them a chance. They're, yeah, no, they're, they're freaking amazing. They're, like, almost too amazing. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> I have Nikes on, and I am a dad. They look good, too. I'm not... No Second dumbest dad ever. Preferring one or the other. I have uh, a cat. It's cool. <laughs> in your podcast, you talk a lot about trying to bring people into specialty coffee, but how do you try to do that on like a personal level? I know a lot of friends who don't care about coffee, but maybe could, but I can't like replicate my coffee experience of going to a coffee shop every lunch break and reading a book and like relaxing and falling in love with a with coffee and having a cool barista at a really good coffee shop teach me coffee and what good coffee tastes like and all that kind of stuff. So how do you try to bring someone in who you've just met into coffee? Well, starting with being nice is the hugest thing and being doing our best to be approachable. Um, in our cafe, we have a bunch of people who come in who haven't had specialty coffee before. And one of my favorite things that I'll hear them say is, it feels like I've been coming here for like five years. And so the coffee doesn't actually matter at that point. Like it's the ingredient to or a means to an experience. This is also something that we talk about in our orientation. Like coffee is just the ingredient that we use to do something special. And it's not important at all unless amazing people do it. There's coffee growing right over there in the corner. And I can guarantee you there's nothing special about it with the exception that it's alive and green and it has some red cherries and that's it. Like it doesn't become special unless we put a lot of effort into it from like, not that plant, because if you know about coffee history, it probably won't taste good anyway. But from the coffee that comes from the coffee belt, unless we put a lot of amazing effort into it as people, all the way to where like I or whomever served you and made you feel that way, like 
it doesn't matter. So that's a big portion of our philosophy is start by making people feel better than they did when they came in. And then they trust you enough to try something maybe weird to them, which is probably just espresso. And then after that, it's like gaining that trust and making them understand why it tastes the way it does. And they'll be receptive to that unless you try to make them understand that on their first visit and they're not ready for that. And then we all are blowing it as industry professionals. So heads up if you're doing that. <laughs> I think Don't it's also like a nice thing to get them to be able to buy in on something that's bigger than just the coffee. So if you're making a decision as a consumer, you're ultimately parting with some sort of money for some sort of return. So people want to buy into brands that make them feel good. And if there's a selling point for like the cafe that you love or the coffee company that you love or the coffee company that you have that offers something a little bit more than just delicious coffee, especially as we go forward, you know, delicious coffee is becoming more and more common, which is awesome. So if there's something else that they can sink their teeth into, oh, this company does profit sharing with their employees. Well, that's cool. Their coffee is also awesome. I feel really good about spending my money at this company. I'm going to buy coffee somewhere. I'll do it there. You know, I don't know how it works, but something like Tom's is a great example of a brand that like played on that. I don't know how legitimately their or like legit their one for one program is, but it's something that people could sink into because those shoes are ugly as fuck. Nobody wants them for real, but there's a certain like status or like there's a certain feeling associated with buying those shoes that they blew up, and that's amazing. I, I think that's. I think that's an amazing platform to have. So if you can find something like that that relates to coffee, that's super cool too. I wonder how people feel who walk in the door and hear, those shoes are ugly as fuck. <laughs> like first thing. They know. How did it feel? No, they... I was just wondering. I looked over and there was laughter. <laughs> Sick cue, ready. Wait, Thanks. did we answer your question? No, you totally did. You're Thanks. the best. Okay, first yeah. off, long time listener, first time caller. Yeah. Finally somebody said it. <laughs> All right. And Big time. I'm going to try to start a rant going here. Rant. I want to rant. So first off, Jared, I'm pretty upset because I was told when you're coming to Seattle, you'd be boycotting winter wearing flip-flops and shorts. Oh. I tried. It's very cold. <laughs> Calling you on that. And second, so in Modern Coffee, we have this great community that is getting uber scientific and uber intellectual about extraction curves, using refractometers. But what are your guys' thoughts on how that extract detracts first from the experience of coffee and from the actual coffee itself, and what can we do going forward to make sure that we don't just become PhDs in coffee and we actually serve the purpose? You mean pretty huge douches? PhD? <laughs> <laughs> that was off the top. Correct. Uh, those are all tools that are very important and mean nothing to anybody who doesn't know anything about coffee on like a very deep level. Like, and I'm going to be straight up on with you. Chris knows a lot about refractometers, and he's used them. And I've used them a little bit. And I care almost nothing about them because it doesn't lead me personally. This is also personal, right? So, like, everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses, and everybody's got their passions. I've come to realize that my passion does not lie in the science of coffee. And I don't think that's bad. And if everybody feels like they need to be so deep in the science of coffee to be accepted in coffee, we are blowing it so, so hard. Like, the science of coffee is very, very, very important in terms of replication, in terms of quality standards, but it means nothing to my mom who comes into a cafe and is like, why are they talking about this stuff? Like, how does this even relate to anything? And it does relate, but it's not important in that way. 
So there's like these different layers to dissect in that. And I could, I know you want me to rant because that's why you talked about the scientific things about coffee. I love coffee because of tasting it and being able to mess with it and make it taste different ways from roasting, ways from roasting to espresso to extraction. And there's so many infinite details just based on your ability to taste. But for me, it's more intuitive and culinary than it is about science. Um, that's my take, but Chris probably has a better way of speaking. No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about your mom coming into the cafe, and there's, there's different tools that we use in our business and in our industry that all apply to different levels of the supply chain or the production chain. So something like a refractometer in your VST Coffee Tools app, super amazing tool for checking consistent quality but its place is really in the lab. And once you cross that customer threshold with that, you're really talking babble to someone who has no idea why. And you're probably making your, we'll call it a sale, like infinitely less effective in the same way that you wouldn't be in the cafe talking to someone about, yeah, I charged this coffee at 350 degrees and ran it for 14 and a half minutes and have 18% development. That doesn't mean anything to most people. It's great to talk about and share with the community on that level, the behind-the-curtain kind of level, but it doesn't mean anything in the retail experience. So that's important to note. And then the other important thing I think that needs to be noted about extraction percentages, TDS, and the whole roast curves and the whole thing is that everybody who has a different company is probably trying to execute a different style of coffee and that's totally okay. So for the flavor profile that you might be going for versus the flavor profile that I might be going for, we might end up with different optimum extraction percentages, total dissolved solids, and in the roasting end, different roast times, and also different development percentages and end temperatures. And that's okay because the ultimate goal is to fulfill like your passion of this is what I think my perfect coffee experience can taste like. And it's useless for me to say, like, you got to have 23% development on every roast. Or if you're not extracting 22%, you can just, like, get the hell out of here. That's not useful. I think people need to engage more in, like, okay, like, what are you going for stylistically? And just, just building a little bit more understanding in the industry overall and not preach absolutes necessarily. Yeah. Absolutes freak me out. And our industry tends to speak in absolutes at this point a lot. And... Intention is so important. And even having uh, Scott Rail on our podcast, it was really interesting because prior to that podcast, we had this feeling that he kind of had this absolute sort of, sort of idea about development percentage and the best coffees. And then having him on, he was like, but you could also do, and there's so much gray area and op opportunity for interpretation that I was like, okay, thank goodness, because is this more harmful or helpful? You know, tools are good. Absolutes are kind of not to me. Is that helpful at all? Awesome. Nice. I love your stuff. <laughs> I love your stuff. Hello. Hello. Hi. I'm sorry the mic's so tall. Yeah, I'm just a short person. It's okay. Do you want to come on stage? Uh, it, it, it's really fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it by now. <laughs> um, so my question is about producers. 
So, so much of the coffee spotlight gets taken up by us who get to serve it to the customers, but the producers have a huge part in what makes our coffee delicious. How do you think we can share that spotlight with them? Oh, guess what? I have such an interesting thought on this that you might not like. It's going to get so weird with Chair right now. No, 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 no. Okay, so it's not. But hear me out. I went to Origin, thanks to Cafe Imports. I never got the opportunity to go to Origin. And it was in Costa Rica. And I went there and had a different experience than I expected to have. I had far more empathy and kind of sadness towards roasters because they have such a hard life. And most of them are trying to... Towards roasters? I mean, sorry, producers. Oh, okay. cool. This is the thing I also do is just mix up words. Um, <laughs> the roasters get up so early, those poor guys. Um, <laughs> thanks, Charlie. Sick one. <laughs> so, okay, so the producers have a hard life, right? And one of their main goals is to get people in specialty to buy their coffee. Uh, there was part of the, the trip where we got pulled up all the people who did well in barista competition got to go to Cafe Imports. And they had this panel of like 12 of us. It was really, really awkward, like UN style and this big old deal, bigger than this, farmers all the way to the back. And all they wanted to know is what's selling in the USA? How do we make our coffee taste whatever so that we can get in there and we can sell coffee? And so I started thinking kind of strategically about that. And it's so important to be able to tell that story, but there's something disheartening about America in that they're never meeting these farmers, and it's very hard to get them to care about these farmers. So I started approaching it backwards, in that like, not in a disdain, like nobody gives a shit about farmers, but in order for them to care at all, or for me to ever be able to tell a story, I, in the same way we don't talk about specs, like if I rolled in here and was like, Ben-Hameen, pause, dude. He sells the best coffee. He's the man. And you never met him. You have zero reference for what that means. You only know me. So for me, I was like, in order for this to ever become truly meaningful, it actually needs to start with respect and trust for myself and my business and the extension of anybody that comes in. And then it has to come with stories that actually connect with human beings and that story is not, this is the best coffee in the world and Ben Hameen produces it and this is the reason and it's a Bourbon and that does not connect with, again, my mom. I always use my mom or my grandma or maybe a lot of people in this room. I'd be willing to bet if we took a poll that it'd be very true that most people don't care at all about farmers and that's not good, but that's reality. So for me, it's like, how do we flip the script and make them care about what we're doing enough that they trust us to care about these farmers and then also repeat relationships, like, that's a big deal to me. Do you, do you think that there is a way for baristas to deepen the connection between us and producers so that we can begin to tell human stories about what they're doing? Yes. Owners, send your freaking staff to Origin. We have four? Four staff four. members going to Origin this year because the return is a story. Five? Whatever. With Chuck. We have five. human we have five. beings. We have Confirmed five by people. Charles, five. We're investing in sending them to origin so that they can actually speak to this at a real level. And it's not this BS verbatim that we've preached to them to tell somebody that they're like, I think that's what I'm supposed to say. Like, we can actually tell these stories. I have a big story about the 
a farm called uh, the Satonio Brothers. There's like 11 brothers, and we had this amazing day, and I can speak about that because I was there. And I can talk about how these people are great because they took time out of their day to play soccer with myself and these people. And then they decided, hell, let's have them for dinner and make them coffee. And oh, by the way, can I try these weird Kenyan coffees that you roasted? And then we can have a connection that means something to me. And that's, in essence, like what all of Specialty Coffee needs to start focusing on and less about the actual coffee. It's like a catalyst. Feeling good? Solid? Wicked? Great answer, Jer. Hit the nail on the head. Now, now we got a flow going. This is what's up. What's cracking? How's everybody doing? Fantastic. I'm James from California. And I'm, on a bit of a lighter note for this question, if coffee ever became illegal, would you open a speakeasy for coffee? Absolutely. That'd be fun. 100%. <laughs> awesome. And other drugs. Now we know where to go. Thank you. <laughs> Anything else? We got anything else? We got We're any other questions? We're in California. Everything's legal, kind of. Everything's... Oh, oh, snap. Who's seen the viral video? It's not viral. Anybody yep. riding scooters at the La Marzocco warehouse in Ballard? And if it is viral, I'll sign autographs later. <laughs> anyway. Hey, Bella. Uh, my question is, uh, relating to quite a few things, obviously coffee... Uh, you guys are uh, pretty big game changers, and especially coffee. Uh, you haven't been open for very long, and you're very well noted. Uh, I have a curious question that extends beyond coffee, and it involves coffee supply chain. Uh, especially coffee has done a really great job of educating consumers as well as uh, producers to create good coffee so that everybody across the supply chain can benefit from better work. Um, where do you guys see that implementing in other commodity products? And if you think it can improve other products, where do you think that aspect of the supply chain can be benefited from? Deep. Whoa. Can you give? He's a deep thinker. Okay, okay. <laughs> let's rewind that thing. One, I'm not sure. Two, do you have a specific example of like a product in mind? The sad story is I don't know too much about things that are not coffee. Um, I, I tried to think of, especially within coffee, uh, it's an agricultural product. We right. have a lot of commodities in the world uh, that benefit from really lackluster supply chains. Um, I care a lot about chocolate, and that's the one thing that I think of most. Um, but there's a lot of products that people don't think a lot of just in the same way they used to think about coffee. Um, is there any way that you guys think in your view of coffee that you'd like to see in other supply chains? You know, I, I, I kind of think, and this is like a little bit weird for someone in the USA and like, you know, cause we're American and like we get whatever we want and we'll just fucking take it from someone if they don't want to give it to us. And, um, I think something that could be learned by other supply chains is like the idea of some kind of scarcity in the sense of like, let's say you have this like really beautiful coffee, Pedro Moreno from Honduras, and spend. I mean, pause again. They've got a you know they've got a certain crop cycle that you're working with, and you've got a certain farm size, and you got a certain amount of pickers, and you pick during a certain time of the year, process and ship, and that coffee 
hits the shelves, so to speak, or becomes available at X amount of time during the year, and there's like a little, there's a finite amount of that. It'd be cool to kind of see that idea bleed over into um, agriculture in the States, which has like, it's got those positives and those negatives. Um, the negatives are like, okay, like we can get whatever fruit we want whenever we want if we import it from whatever country and it's like pumped full of GMOs and it, like an apple grows this fucking big and that's crazy. Um, I would like to see like the culture overall be okay with like, oh, I get this fruit really just during this season. It's of exceptional quality um, because people are willing to pay more for it because it tastes delicious. And then for these months of the year, it's just unavailable. I like that idea, but it's more... I, I feel like there's so much cultural pushback from it, and you know, people are not pretty into that, I don't think. But um, I think that would be something cool that other industries could learn from coffee. Whether that's a reality or not is a whole different situation. I don't know enough about the supply chain to speak at all on it. But I will learn more. I'm still young. I believe in you. I believe in you so much. Somebody needs to. <laughs> Thank I you. believe yeah, in you I, too, man. Sorry, I can't comment well. Holler at a baller. We probably have time for one more, because we should let you guys have some free time to drink and maybe continue eating more tacos. Does anybody want to like close us off with one more question? We got a heavy hitter. Heavy hitter is open. Maybe. You got something. Yeah. Who? 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 Come on up. Come you want to sit up here for the, the final stage. question? So, I definitely have to thank you guys for introducing me to uh, brands like GNB, Madcap, and other, other great roasters that have kind of come through here. And so I wanted to thank you for that. Thank you. And also, I was going to see if you guys you talked a little bit about it on a recent podcast, but if you could give us any more as far as what we can expect when we see you guys again in April at SCA. Oh, no. My number one possible? point of stress right now. <clears throat> so Chris and I... <laughs> We're going to be back in Seattle in April. Is it April? Thanks for bringing that up, Alex. Super I'll be sick. taking... I got an aneurysm like this fucking big. Jared and I are both doing uh, lectures at the SCAA annual conference in April. Secret. We just found out they're separate, so that's fine. We usually work together. It's going to be cool. a solo operation. <laughs> There will be five slots available for each lecture, so we're giving uh, the same lecture twice a day for the first two days and once on the last day. Yeah, I mean, I can talk to you about it. Talk more. to the people, just, bro. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting because I'm going to have to like bare my soul and stand behind something that people could arguably say I'd, I don't know about because I only have a business for, I guess, at that point, it'll be like five or six months. But there's something, there are things I deeply believe in, so uh, my lecture is going to be on it's going to be called something to the effect of authenticity sells creating your brand starting with your why um i guess like the most general overview as i continue to refine it is i've seen over and over and over again by just observing over my time especially coffee people not being absolutely honest with themselves about what First of all, they're good at what they're passionate about and instead trying to jump into this industry that's very young with this statement or statements and a mission and a vision of like, these are the things we need to say so that people really look up to us and they respect us. And for me, what I've seen is a lot of burnout, whether it's owners or employees. I've seen a lot of people try to be something that they're not like 
tied to, so a lot of what I want to speak to is why we opened a business, being able to talk about and implement your values into your business and being able to recognize what you're good at and what you're passionate about and plugging yourself into those places and building a team and it's a tall order, but I'm going to talk about it for apparently 75 minutes, five times, so that'll happen no matter what. Maybe it'll be 50 minutes of Q&A. <laughs> um, Chris, you can talk about yours now so I can be nervous. I'm doing a lecture on converting consumers to specialty. It's going to be about focusing on roasting. So roasting for approachability while retaining varietal characteristic. And the idea behind the lecture is that there's this big argument going on between people who say you have to roast like uber, uber light to retain any varietal characteristic. And people who say like you have to roast a little darker to get approachability. And I'm saying... You can get both. You can have coffee that's interesting and that your grandma will drink if she's never had specialty coffee before, and that's something I really believe in. So it's going to be a little techy and a little weird and focus a lot on roasting, but it's also going to focus a little bit on marketing and how we communicate our products to different consumers and kind of meeting people where we're at so we can actually all sell more coffee, roast better coffee, and have more successful businesses. I hope. That's going to be fun times. <laughs> That's going to be fun. It's going to be great times. I think. I'm really excited. I mean, we submitted two lectures to be presented at SCAA with a bunch of other rad people, and they got accepted, so... It's humbling and very cool. I can't really complain about that. That's freaking sick. We just get to execute. It's super tight, dude. I don't even know. I think we're... Are we done with the yeah, podcast? Yeah, you guys deserve to go do something else besides listen to you us. You guys are really just having a great time. Thank you guys Seriously, so much. Seriously, though, for everybody who came here, like... What? We've had the best time being a resident at the La Marzocco Cafe and the people that do this work and switching out the bar, it's freaking insane. So shout out to the whole crew here. Seriously. It is awesome. There's really no other concept in the U.S. or worldwide that I know of that's doing something like they're doing. And it's like the perfect example of a manufacturer who is willing to give back to the community that supports them and be able to put someone else up on a pedestal. And I... I think it's really cool. Like, the baristas here are awesome. The whole concept is awesome. The idea is awesome. And, like, thank you for everything. It's been great. And thanks, everybody who came, even Big if you time. didn't want to listen to us. Thanks for the tacos and the beer. And we're just going to come hang with you guys. So, Woo. peace. Thank you. In case you were wondering, Natalie's fine.